You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 434. In this episode, I talk about why only 2% of female entrepreneurs achieve seven figures. It's a shocking statistic that only 2% of all female-led businesses ever achieve the seven-figure annual revenue goal. And it is even worse. 90% do not even make six figures. In this episode, I'll share my theory and also what you can do about it. Before we dive in, I wanted to invite you to jump into June by joining Online Business Summer School. When others take a break, we build our businesses. So if you are serious about your online business, then join us and make massive progress this summer. Hop on over to the show notes at sigrun.com forward slash 434 and join Online Business Summer School. Women own 35% of all U.S. businesses, but generate only 3.8% of all the revenue. Let me repeat that in a different way. One third of businesses in the U.S. are owned by women, but these businesses generate less than 4% of the total revenue of all businesses. And almost 90% of all women-owned businesses generate less than $100,000 yearly. Out of all women-led companies, only 2% generate more than $1 million per year. I constantly ask myself, why? Why do most women-owned businesses never achieve six figures? And why do only 2% achieve seven figures? I'm on a mission to accelerate gender equality, but we'll never achieve gender equality if women keep staying so small. After working with over 3,500 women in the last seven years and making almost 10 million in total revenue, I have my own theory on why women don't make more money. First reason, too many women treat their business as a hobby. It makes my hair stand up, but too many women don't take their business seriously. But I haven't met a man who doesn't take his business seriously. So what is really going on here? I'm not sure, but my guess is that these women are wannapreneurs. What is a wannapreneur, you might ask? Well, it is someone who likes to call themselves an entrepreneur, but they aren't actually one because they're not willing to do the work. And why are they not willing to do the work? Maybe they have a rich spouse and therefore don't see a need to take their business seriously. Maybe they are not driven to be financially independent. Maybe they just like to have a hobby business so they can call themselves a business owner. I don't like hobby businesses for the simple reason that it stops women from achieving gender equality. I like side businesses when someone has a full-time job and starts to build a business on the side before they're ready to make the jump and make it a full-time business. 
that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about hobby businesses that will never ever have the chance of being a proper business because the owner is not taking the business seriously. So my take on this is either take your business seriously or don't do it at all. Second reason, women don't invest enough in their personal and business growth. Nobody is born a CEO or entrepreneur. We all have to learn the skill of running a business or how to scale to six figures or how to scale to seven figures. We didn't learn this in school or not even with all my master's degrees did I learn all of this. I had to invest into my personal and business growth. If I had not invested in myself, I would probably still be stuck making less than six figures a year. I continuously invest in personal and business growth and I can see that those who do skyrocket their business within a few years. Those who don't are stuck. You should always be investing forward if you want to grow. Not investing is a scarcity mindset or a fixed mindset. Someone who has a growth mindset knows they can grow and change and learn and therefore they are willing to invest. They may not see an instant return. Nothing is instant unless you're playing a computer game. But building a business takes time and sometimes an investment I make in one year comes back next year or two years later. And that's okay. I'm okay with that because I am in for the long haul. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You have to be willing to invest and know that you need to do that in order to grow. But if you don't, then you maybe shouldn't be an entrepreneur. But even as an employee, you have to grow and change and adapt. But even more importantly, as an entrepreneur. Third reason, women tend to be more risk adverse than men. Investing forward is risky because you need to bet on yourself or whatever you're investing in. Maybe you want to hire someone. There's not an instant return when I hire a new team member. There's not an instant return when I switch and get a better software. It takes time, but I take a bet. I take a calculated risk. Honestly, I don't find it risky. Actually not investing into better tools, better equipment, uh, better team members is riskier. Think about that for a moment. Not investing or not taking a little bit of risk is riskier. You're not going to have that insight though, unless you actually take a bit of a risk and see the return. Fourth reason, women use family as excuses. A woman will use her children and or spouse as an excuse for not being able to build her business. But a man in the same situation uses children and a spouse as a reason. This is slowly changing, but I still hear way too many women use their children as an excuse. And I find it so sad, honestly. It is 2021 and we shouldn't be discussing this. Many of my most successful clients 
have very young children and were even pregnant in my programs. Having a child and having young children actually fueled their growth because they had to baby-proof their business. They figured out how to run a business and make more money by working less. And then there are others who decide that because they're pregnant or because they have a young child, they need to take a break from their business. That's not being a good role model, to be honest. Do you know that less and less women want to have children? Maybe because they see that if they have children, they will stop working, they will not be able to build their business. What if you, on the other hand, kept on building your business, keep the momentum growing, and you are not just a role model for young potential mothers out there, but to your children and to your family? Working on your business inspires other people to do the same and will help you build that financial freedom that I desperately feel all women need. There is no guarantee that life will be exactly the way it is right now. You know, even if you're married, it doesn't mean that you're going to be married for the rest of your life. Every woman needs to take care of herself and make sure that she is financially independent. And taking a break while you have children or young children is not going to help there. Fifth reason why women are not making more money. This is an interesting one. I see a lot of women stop their business growth. Think about it. 90% of women-owned businesses generate less than six figures. So what's going on? I've noticed that a lot of women feel more comfortable with a lower revenue number. They've possibly replaced their prior income or they might even be making more money than they did before. And a lot of women are even making less money than they did before, but they still somehow stay stuck at a certain revenue level and they feel comfortable there and therefore they're not pushing themselves to grow more. They basically stay in their comfort zone. So what's the problem with that, you might ask? Well, a six-figure business, and they're probably not making six figures, right? If the statistic says 90% makes less than six figures, they might be making 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. But let's just assume for argument's sake, they are making six figures. A typical six-figure business does not have any employees. To me, being an entrepreneur and being able to employ people, I know that I'm fueling the economy. I'm not just making a profit for myself and paying myself a salary. I am providing jobs. I don't know how much you follow the news in the United States, but anytime I'm over there, I always turn on the TV in my hotel room and listen to the news for a little bit. And constantly they talk about how many jobs have been added. I don't know this much from the news in uh, Europe, but I guess this is mentioned somewhere. So this is a sign of economic growth. When more jobs get added to the economy. 
So think about it. A six, typical six-figure business, a typical women-owned business that doesn't even make six figures does not have any employees. They are not fueling the economic growth. They're not providing jobs. Providing jobs is a sign of a growing economy. It means bigger impact. It means that everybody is better off. Just having a business that just pays yourself a salary and no one else is not having that impact. And probably you're not making a lot of profit anyway with that type of a business. You might be paying yourself okay salary, but that's it. There's nothing more left. There is no wealth being created. There's no financial freedom around the corner. A woman-owned business making less than six figures is not helping us achieve gender equality. The sixth reason, and probably the reason that I am most furious about, is that a lot of women take a break in the summer. This one makes me so frustrated, like really angry. Well, I rarely get angry. That's not who I am and how I operate. But frustrated, very frustrated. I'm upset. Women take a break in the summer. I have yet to meet a man who owns his own business who takes three months off in the summer. I have not met that man. Unless he's some sort of a lifestyle entrepreneur or beach boy who wants to play on the beach. No, but seriously. No, I have not met a man that does it. But women? Mm -hmm. Plenty. When I ask a woman in April or May when she is going to do her next marketing campaign or promotion, many, too many will say September. And I'm thinking, so you're not going to make any money the whole summer? Wow. No wonder Women make less money than men. But seriously, women, what is this? I want to take a little detour and tell you a story about a study that I read in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. He referenced a study about Baltimore school children starting in first grade and running until fifth grade. The researchers compared standardized test scores of low, middle, and upper-income children and found what most people would expect, poor kids did worse than middle-class or rich kids. What I found so interesting is when the researchers compared the test scores from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year to quantify how much the kids had actually learned, they found that actually the poor and middle-class children had outperformed the rich kids. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? This means that income level didn't really matter during the school year. Now, here's the interesting piece that's relevant for you too. When they compared the test scores to the end of the school year, to the start of the school year, basically the difference, what happened over the summer 
the rich kids always did better. The low income and middle class kids had lost three points on their score. So think of it as a reading exam, basically after the summer, because they didn't practice reading, the score at the start of the school year was worse off than at the end of the school year, three months earlier. Whereas the rich kids kept on reading, kept on, kept the momentum going and had added 15 points over the summer by being out of school. So over the course of four years or four summers, the upper class kids had gained over 52 points on the standardized tests and low and middle income children hadn't gained any. This research shows that if everyone is at school, they are at a similar level, but during the summer, when some take break, they lose and others who are able to keep the momentum because education is important to their family, they could keep the momentum going. Now, I'm not talking about rich, middle-class or low-income entrepreneurs. That's completely irrelevant to the story. The important piece is here for you. Those who take a break in the summer, they do not just lose the three months they take a break. They lose a lot more. Those who don't take a break, or let's say they can take holiday. Of course you can take holiday, but you don't take a long break of three to four months. You benefit immensely. So think about over the course of four years or four summers where one entrepreneur always takes three months off and the other one decides to take a regular summer holiday of possibly three weeks or even four weeks, but not three or four months, they can keep the momentum going. So after a while, the entrepreneur that takes a short break is making more money. And the entrepreneur that takes a long break year after year is making less money and is stuck at a certain income level because basically they've lost out on the potential momentum they could have. That's what is frustrating to me. And I want to change the thinking that these women have about taking time off. I had been running my business for over four years when I noticed this trend. And it, it, I was so frustrated when I saw people in my program basically do nothing over the summer months. I think I noticed this first in 2017, the first year that I ran Samba, my Sigrun online MBA program. So the following year, I was a bit more prepared. I was like, oh, the summer is coming. Everybody's going to take a break. And I was like, what can I do about it? And typically when I get frustrated, I get my best ideas. And I was like, okay, I don't want them to take a break. I don't want them to take such a long break. I don't want my clients to stop building their business in the summer. 
what can I do as their teacher, coach, consultant do to make sure it doesn't happen? Well, I came up with a great idea called Samba Summer School. Samba Summer School was basically a challenge within a paid program. They were already my client. Uh, They didn't necessarily have to sign up. I ran it all in a Facebook group. And I got them to do the work in the summer. It was an eight-week challenge, you could call it, a course within a course. And I got them to build their email list to get clear on the ideal client, the messaging, to create their first or next online course, and to make sales. People absolutely loved it. I got people to take action that had even been on some sort of a break for months who hadn't taken their business seriously. And finally, through the collective community and the excitement of a challenge and the intensity of working together as a team, people got to work and had amazing results. The following summer, I started to get emails, I think in March or April. Are you doing it again? Are you doing Samba Summer School again? And I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. So we had the double amount of people. Again, I ran it as a course within a course. So you couldn't even sign up for it as a standalone, but word started to get out. People were excited like, how do I join this Samba Summer School? Well, you have to be a part of Samba first, I said. But I realized something after running it twice, two summers in a row, that this was something that I could also run, not in the summer. I didn't want to call it winter school, so I came up with a name, Kickstart. Samba Kickstart. Since 2019, I run it twice a year, typically beginning of the year, and the second time in the summer. Actually, in 2019, we ran it again in the fall. And there was something odd about it, to be honest. Last year, we did it in June. So then we call it Sampa Summer School, of course, because we like to call it that name in the summer. But officially, it's called Sampa Kickstart. Now it's a standalone program. And the next one is starting July 5th, and we have people eagerly waiting at the door, messaging us, emailing us. Uh, And if you're one of those people, you can hop on over to our show notes and we have a link there for you to get on the insider list. So you'll be the first to know when you can sign up. But that was not the point of my story. Basically, Samba Summer School is happening again this summer. But I do not just want to help you build your business when Samba Summer School starts. I want to make sure you start working on your business in June. Basically, this year I'm offering a preparation course for Samba Summer School, which is completely free. Online Business Summer School is coming to you. Well, basically, you come to us, you sign up, and then you can participate for free. So you can jump into June, as we say it, when others take a break, we are going to build our business. Based on the story from Malcolm Gladwell in the book Outliers, you are going to be the kid that reads in the summer. You are going to be the entrepreneur 
that keeps the momentum in the summer and keeps on building the business. This is your chance. It's completely free to do your online business summer school. And if you want to keep the momentum after that, of course, I would like to see you in Sampa Summer School too, so that you can build your email list, create your next online course and make lots of sales in the fall. And more importantly, let's all think bigger. All women need to think bigger and we need to aim for a six and seven figure business. We need to think about having impact, employing people, having businesses that actually can contribute to the economy and create financial freedom for us. That's how we're going to accelerate gender equality together. I'm inviting you to join Online Business Summer School for free. When others take a break, we build our businesses. So if you're serious about your online business, then join us and make massive progress this summer. Hop on over to the show notes at sigm.com forward slash 434 and join Online Business Summer School. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. See you in the next episode.